Hi, I'm Kat Farrance, and I'm founder of Movement for Modern Life. Welcome to Yoga Off the Mat. This is the Movement for Modern Life podcast, and in this podcast, I invite you to join me on a journey to meet the champions of change. These are the most inspiring people I've ever met, and they're living a happy, healthy, sustainable life. Today, I'm talking to Lisa Sanfilippo. Lisa is a wonderful yoga teacher who teaches on Movement for Modern Life, but she also has a new sequence out, which is all about sleep recovery, and it goes along with her new book of the same name. Now, in this conversation, uh, we, we go through some really wide-ranging things all about what is it in our culture which makes sleep so difficult, and some little hints and tips as to how we can all sleep a little bit better. Um, for me, the real spoiler alert is that it's not all about nighttime. It's about getting a little rest and being able to, to go through some of the thoughts that you're having as you go through your day. So as ever, the message is always slow down, rest and digest. But Lisa really does. Um, she, yeah, I learned, I learned an awful lot from this conversation. She goes through this in a lot of depth. So I really hope you enjoy. So hi. Hi, I am absolutely thrilled to be back. It's, it's been some time since I've flown for you, but uh, it has been at the right time. I know, absolutely amazing. And Lisa, what I am really chuffed that you have done is dedicated your years, last few years, to sleep, to helping people sleep. Because so many of us have issues sleeping. And I know that you've just, well, your book is just out, Sleep Recovery. So well done on that. And we have got a course of the same name, which is covering some of those practices. And how did you get into yoga for sleep, Lisa? Well, actually, I got into yoga because I couldn't sleep. This was something like 20 years ago now. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I, I remember, I, you know, I, I tell the story in the book. I, I went to my doctor, my GP, back in New York in my 20s, and I was just like, I can't sleep. Can you give me some sleeping pills? And she said, absolutely not. You're way too young. There's nothing physically wrong with you. Um, you need to learn how to get yourself back to sleep. And, you know, you seem interested in yoga, so I'm going to really encourage you to do that. And, um, she also suggested that, you know, if there were things bothering me that, um, that I see a a therapist as well. And I took her advice and I got into yoga, um, basically because of my sleep and I never really got out of yoga again. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, doing, doing yoga that helped people with insomnia just kind of came out of like years ago back at the life center. They said, do you want to do a workshop? And I was a really new teacher. And they said, what do you, what do you want to do a workshop on? And I thought, I want to do a workshop on yoga for sleep. Cause I really know about that. And then mm-hmm. that workshop became uh, a day long and it became a teacher training and then it became mm-hmm. a book. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's how. Oh, oh it's br- that's brilliant as it was that way around. Yeah. But, and what kind of yoga is it that you first started off with when you were looking at your sleep and it was 20 years ago, so the choices weren't like they are now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was in New York at that point and I, I think I was, I didn't have a lot of money and I, I joined a gym that was in the basement of a converted bank. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lady in sort of like floating linen clothes who was running a class there. And it was, it turns out it was Vini yoga, you know, the uh, Desika Char and Krishnamacharya lineage of oh. yoga. And of course I was in my twenties and I, 
you know, I'm a pretty pitta fiery person and I found that yoga really, really interesting and really compelling, but at the same time, so slow. <laughs> so I loved it and I hated it at the same time. And my breath, like I, I couldn't really breathe properly and it was all about breathing and moving. Through. <laughs> now I do that again, but I went through vinyasa yoga and then I started doing vinyasa yoga and mm -hmm. some Jiva Mukti at the Jiva Mukti center back then. And, oh. um, I, I never really did Ashtanga because I, I, did, I didn't do the set sequence so much. Mm -hmm. um, but I've done just about everything else. And then I trained as an Anyasara yoga teacher back when that was right. thing. Yeah. So, so, when, so when did you train? How many years were you practicing? And what was it that drew you to Anyasara? Um, well, what's interesting is that um, when I, before I'd moved out of New York City, there was like a summer where I knew I was moving and I was sort of in limbo. And I mm -hmm. found this group of people who were practicing yoga and they kind of weaved meaning through the practices. And there was a sort of philosophical bent. And I really liked it. And I really liked the fact that there was a community around it. You didn't just show up to a yoga class and then, you know, just put mm -hmm. on home. People would sort of chat a bit and, you know, they, they kind of knew their teachers. And I, and I really liked that at that point. Um, mm -hmm. So it felt really nice to be part of that community. And then um, I really liked, because I didn't have a lot of strength, they mm -hmm. they had some really good alignment. And I found like I actually learned how to do the yoga poses in a, in a way that was safe for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I really liked that about the Anisara yoga that I studied. And then I went to, I went to London. I went to study at the London School of Economics. And then I was at a class. So how um, long have you been in London for, Lisa? I've been in London since 2002. So it's almost, it's like 18 wow. years, almost 20 years now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no. And, and then somebody asked me to teach a yoga class because back then, you know, I mean, right. you remember what it was like, Kat. Um, mm -hmm. Like 20 years ago, there weren't a lot of yoga teacher right. trainings. In yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So Absolutely. basically, if you knew some yoga, people would say, can you teach us some yoga? And you'd be like, okay, I'll teach you some yoga. Absolutely and, right. Um, <laughs> the good yeah. old days. Hey. The good old days. You know, and now we have lots of debates about, you know, the professionalism of yoga. But back then it was like, here, you know, yoga, teach us some yoga. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And, and then I went back and forth to America to get training with the people that I'd studied with. And I did mm -hmm. lots and lots of teacher training and had a, I had a day job. <laughs> and then I realized like halfway through one of the, um, one of the, the gigs that I had that I was actually more of a yoga teacher than I was doing my job. Amazing. <laughs> it's like on the computer planning yoga retreats while I was at my legitimate job. So this is not going to work. It's such a calling, isn't it? It's like when you start doing that and you start teaching people, it's so clear whether or not it's for you or not, isn't it? Don't you think? It's like you were probably just like doing it, but it came just so naturally. And I think that that's kind of the sign that that is your calling. <laughs> I think you know, I have this concept of doing the thing that you can't not do right yes so, i love that like, yeah you can't like for me i can't not write mm -hmm. it's not that i have to be publishing books but i i just write as a way of processing things in my mm -hmm. life you know and you can't not be with your dogs you love your dogs you know that's, <laughs> that's right they're always kind of draped around my neck somewhere <laughs> exactly and that's what makes you that's what makes you great is that you have this thing that you're passionate about and you haven't yeah. pushed it aside and you're really embracing it and so you know, <laughs> teaching I think teaching is something that I can't not do my, my parents were both teachers okay. at, at some point ah, yeah interesting. not yoga teachers yeah. but teachers no. yeah. 
Oh, very interesting. Okay, so you're at LSE and you're starting <laughs> to teach. You're realizing that teaching is what you're called to and what you have to do. So at this stage, are you, you're teaching Anusara classes sort of in, in London? Oh, yeah. Where, where oh, were you? Yeah, right. Because oh. there weren't that many teachers around then and there weren't that many yoga studios around then either. No, no. So I where mean, were you teaching then? Well, I was, you know, I was given my first opportunity to teach by a woman named Laura Bauman who ran a studio out of her home in Ladbroke Grove. Thank and um, so that was, that was my, one of my first. And then the, the London School of Economics had a yoga club, mm. right? And one of the other people in the social policy department ran the yoga club. And we used to, we used to uh, clear the uh, soft drink cups and the McDonald's wrappers out of the social <laughs> policy common room. And we'd put, the, we'd put the, the tables to the side and the chairs to the side. And I'd light a few tea candles and we'd alm. And then it was, you know, it was all go. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, so then, you know, because I had studied Anusara yoga and I'd been, a, been to teacher trainings with them, um, Triyoga asked me if I'd cover for a woman who was teaching the one Anusara class on the schedule. So I right. started covering there. And then when she left to go back to LA, they said, do you want to take this class? And then when I was either teaching that class or covering another class, I think I was covering a class for maybe, I think it was Jeff Phoenix I was covering for. Mm -hmm. um, and Elizabeth Stanley, who um, runs the Life Center was in the class and said, oh, I like your class. Do you want to come and teach at the Life Center? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. So, it, you know, it's always been, um, I, I, was, I was really fortunate in that every time something has been substantial in my life, somebody's asked me to do it. So it was Elizabeth Stanley, who was running the Life Center, who then asked you whether you'd do something. So that's yeah. interesting. So, yeah. So basically I kind of, I was teaching a class and Elizabeth Stanley mm -hmm. said, Hey, you, we're just opening up a new studio in the life center. They, they had this loft that they were using for something else mm. and they, they made it a yoga space. So do you want to teach a class there? And I said, yeah. And then, so that grew into another class and then another class at Triyoga and, you know, it just sort of built from there. And before you knew it, you were... <laughs> All of, all <laughs> I was teaching like five classes a week and mm. running a weekend yoga retreat and mm. uh and I still had a day job and, and I, you still had a day job yeah. at that stage yeah yeah I was I was actually being given the job the opportunity like mm. I was being, being given the opportunity to, to apply for a job that would have been my absolute dream job um, oh wow yeah, so you had a sliding doors before. moment so I, you're like I, which I one do I do yeah. And it was pretty clear. Like, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't even like motivate myself to make the application oh, wow. for the job, you know, and that's happened a few mm -hmm. times. Yeah. It's not because I couldn't write it. It was just because like, my heart wasn't in it. So yeah. So uh -huh. teaching yoga to people and I, and I sort of thought that that's what I would do for a while mm -hmm. and a while turned into something like 15 years, <laughs> 15 years later. Yeah. Isn't that a brilliant, even more than that. Yeah. And and you still teach at the Life Center and at Tri Yoga? Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm doing teacher trainings with them as well, and um, you know that's just because you know it be, it kind of became the time for me to do it, and you know I think mm -hmm. a lot of people run teacher trainings, and they run them for themselves, and there's a lot of admin around it, and there's a lot of stuff to hold, but I I like mm -hmm. to work with places that 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 lay that stuff on so that I can focus on the teaching. And you yeah, know, it isn't, it's not as it's not as grand or it's not as you know remunerative. But I actually like to be contained within a 
yeah. uh, a place that runs stuff really, really well because well, I know, it, I know it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense for a teacher to be able to teach. Yeah, <laughs> not not I mean, admin. <laughs> well, you know what it's like. I mean, you see teachers mm. running around and, you know, we're expected to be business owners and, you know, mm. our own PR people and, you know, and, mm. and yoga teachers can, can be among the most exhausted people I know. Absolutely. Um, so it's interesting when I do like the, the, the teacher training, the yoga for sleep recovery teacher training, mm-hmm. it's nice because the teachers get to focus on themselves for a week. Mm. And do all the practices of repairing their sleep and getting the rest in the afternoon and not feeling like they have to push themselves and mm. kind of give people the, the people that are going out and teaching everybody in podcast land or everybody who you know, watches movement for modern life mm-hmm. the people who are teaching the people get mm. a chance to actually do the thing yeah, yeah, that they're yeah. giving to everybody else which is nice yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's so important. Everybody needs to give from a full cup. So. I That's think, um, yeah, yeah. So, so then the, how did, cause then you was, you started to teach the sleep as, cause I, I remember it must have been 10 years ago that you mm-hmm. were already teaching sleep. Yeah. I mean, I think it was pretty much, you know, like as soon as I was teaching workshops, mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing that. I look, I, I just cleaned out my back bedroom and I have like all these old flyers from stuff. And I think, um, definitely I was doing it like it, 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 it wasn't new in 2009 that I was doing this. I found some flyers from 2009. So it's at mm. least 10, 11 years, probably closer to 14, 15. Wow. Um, so so yeah. you have seen a lot of insomniacs in that time. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people who really look like zombies when they first come <laughs> and, you know, then sort of perk up a little bit and mm-hmm. I've seen, yeah, I've seen a lot of different types of sleeplessness and mm. um, people who used to sleep well and then something happened or people who've mm. like just had a lifetime of never being good sleepers and, mm. you know, mm. have people who come for their partners. They're like, I think my partner needs to sleep better. And I'm like, well, they need to be here. A lot of everybody. I love that. And how's your sleep journey? How, how's that going? It's great. I mean, I'm 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 not an insomniac anymore, but it's interesting. Like people talk about sleep as though we should all get eight hours of sleep every night, and we should be right. like robots and switch off and switch back on. Is that and, not right? It really <laughs> isn't. I mean, my sleep is my sleep is the thing that goes out of balance for me when I'm a little overwrought or if I'm upset mm-hmm. about something. Like some people, their digestion will go out of balance. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, their mm-hmm. skin will break out or they'll mm-hmm. gain or lose weight or whatever it is, but that's my tell, you know, like in a poker mm-hmm. game when you're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you have a good hand or a lousy hand, you know, something's going to twitch if you're, if yeah. you've got no poker face, which I don't. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's never going to be a problem anymore because I know that if I don't have a perfect if there is such a thing, perfect mm-hmm. night's sleep, I know how mm-hmm. to rest in the afternoon. I know, I know why it's gone out of balance and I right. know what to do about it. And so it's, you know, it's never like, you're never, you're never going to have no stomach aches for the rest of your life. You're going to eat yeah, something yeah, that's yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. off. You're going to do something that's a little bit off and your sleep won't be maybe entirely mm-hmm. perfect. But, um, I think it's the powerlessness that I don't have anymore. Yeah, because there is a sense of powerlessness. That makes sense because yeah. um, I'm I'm lucky to be I'm a sort of deep zombie sleeper. Yeah. Um, but you know, on those times which I'm feeling anxious, 
And, uh, you know, for me, it's when I've got too much on and I'm stressed. And it is that feeling of, oh, my God, it's 3 a.m. And you just, you know, it is a complete sense of you get taken over by yeah. fretting about the fact that you're not sleeping. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's, that's really the worst. It's like worrying yeah. about not sleeping. Um, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. The, the whole reason why you're anxious is because you've got a big thing up the next day. And yeah. you're like, okay, so this is absolutely awful. This is going to be even worse than I could have possibly ever imagined because now yeah. I'm not even sleeping and I've still yeah. got this horrendous presentation or whatever next day. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing as well is like, it's especially in the middle of the night, there's something mm -hmm. about the middle of the night where, you know, I, I fell prey to it too, that we're so much more prone to catastrophe thinking because we're yeah. not in, we're not in logical, rational thought. We're not supposed to be because it's the middle of the yeah. night. <laughs> but then, you know, you start having slightly catastrophic thoughts and they can, they can really get quite florid. They really, they really they, spiral, don't they? Yeah, they can do. So that's why it's really interesting because, you know, if you try to put mind over matter, especially in the middle of the night, it's really hard. So that's why it's really mm. good to do breathing stuff and it's good to do... Mm you know, this, this stretching yoga wise that can, can pulls the tension out of the body. So your body is now telling your brain, it's okay. You're mm -hmm. relaxed. You don't need to go into catastrophe mode. You know, even, I think, you know, I think I even still get a little nervous when I'm doing something new. Um, mm -hmm. So I've not done a podcast like this before. Mm -hmm. And so I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, okay, let me, let me try a little bit of reading. Okay. That didn't work. Now, now I'm going to go into my body. You know, and yeah. I did some forward bends and some, mm -hmm. you know, long, deep breathing and one of the acupressure points that I teach in the book. And I was like, mm -hmm. you know, this stuff, it still works. <laughs> it still works. Because sometimes I get a little afraid that my own stuff is going to stop working on me. And then I'm like, let me just try it. And then I try yeah. it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it still works. So, so that's <laughs> your go-to. So uh, you, you wake up in the night or you're not able to sleep. Forward bends, mama point. And breathing. Yeah, for me. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. I, I know my body after lots of yoga, you know, well enough to know if my, you know, thighs are tight or if my hips mm -hmm. are tight or if my rib cage is tight. And I, I tend to start with the thing that's the most needy of some space. Mm -hmm. And then I go yeah. from there because I want to do as little as possible to get the right. job done. Um, but right. the, like the sequence that I created for other people is to give a sense of like going through the whole body. Mm -hmm. Right, going you know through you know getting your breath right to mm -hmm. the legs and the hips and the twist and then the little like it's not a back bend it's like a little chest opener mm -hmm. um, to get all the places that we squirrel all the tension to release the tension and so mm -hmm. I I don't always do them in that order but I tend to mm -hmm. pretty much do the stuff that's in that sequence because I, yeah. <laughs> it's the best stuff that you can do in your head yeah. yeah yeah and I and I like the thought of the, um, you are conning your body that it's not tense anymore. You're like, okay, I was tense and it was in my body. And now you're like, okay, it's disappeared from the body. See, nothing to worry about. You can, you can well, sleep yeah. now. Well, your brain is like, it's really interesting. I, th I think what I understand, I'm not like a neuroscientist, but what I understand of the vagus okay. nerve is that you've got afferent and efferent nerves. Some of them run from the body to the brain and some run from the brain to the body. And it's like if you had a, a 10 lane highway, of course, that would have to be in America, 10 lanes of traffic, 80% um, of the traffic is running from your body to your brain, mm. right? And only 20% is running from the brain to the body. So 
most of that information is your body telling your brain whether you're safe, whether you're hot or cold, you know, whether you're tense or relaxed. And so, you know, on a very innate level, you start to, re- you know, create the neurochemistry that supports relaxation when your body is relaxed. That's so fascinating, isn't it? And I slightly, because it's so important and it, it really is something for every, you know, it's for sleep, but for everything as well. Yeah. Just sort of to, uh, to say it in another way. So your body, your brain listens to your body. Yeah, it's amazing. Your, your, your body, you know, even before rational thought, Mm-hmm. Your body is interpreting your surroundings, and mm-hmm. right now, you know my temperature, my level of comfort, um, mm-hmm. tightness or looseness in different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. As you're as you're moving, you're always sensing something, mm-hmm. and like you know, more of your brain is the creaturely parts of the brain, mm-hmm. and the neocortex and the logical rational thought is only a mm-hmm. relatively small but incredibly powerful part. Mm-hmm. There's tons of stuff going on that we're not conscious of, and then as yoga people. You know, as soon as we start getting into interoception, which is the capacity to sense inwardly what's happening, whether we're hungry, whether we're tired, whether we're tight mm-hmm. or relaxed, um, as soon as we start getting into that, we open up that unconscious information. Mm. And, and that's why yeah. yoga works. That's <laughs> one of the really profound reasons that it does, for sure. That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? And, and it's wonderful to just sort of remind ourselves and be like, Okay, so there are ways that you can con your brain via your body because it's not a con because that's yeah, how exactly. it works. <laughs> well, that's it. It's, it's actually far more genuine than some of our yeah. catastrophic thoughts. It's like the con actually, I think, runs the other way. The con is really mm-hmm. that your brain tricks you into thinking that something's wrong when it's really not because yeah. you're tired or you're hungry or you're a little lonely or something, you know, something's yes. going on. And your mm-hmm. brain is like, oh my God, it's such a problem. Mm-hmm. And then your body gets tense and then the whole thing, you know, chivies itself on whereas if you can kind of unhook that loop then Mm -hmm. it's really powerful and that's you know when I was when I had my own insomnia I was so lucky that I got that advice about Mm -hmm. not just seeing a therapist but that my GP you know she was a really progressive GP I I went to that that, um doctor's surgery you know the doctor's practice um because of it and I didn't know that she was going to be you know telling me about you know getting uh, uh, peppermint and eucalyptus into my lungs when I had a bronchitis before trying the antibiotics and, you know, doing yoga before doing mm-hmm. sleeping pills. And um, there's so much now that's just about mind over matter. Mm-hmm. And if we can recognize how much our bodies are in control, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I no, I'm a little bit off track. No, no, well, not at all, what because was, really, again? yeah, well, we, we're just sort of working out what your sleep journey has been mm-hmm. and how it is that we have that level of anxiety, because everyone, I'm sure, has experienced yeah. that at one point or another, <clears throat> some of us more than others, but that complete fear of, you know, your body just goes crazy, your mind is going crazy, and you're... At, one, two, three in the morning, and you're worried because you can't sleep, and your body is, um, you know, you, but the way that we see in this society is that we see it that our brains are in charge. And that's the way we're sort of taught to think. We think exactly. with our brains, not yeah. that we think with our bodies. <laughs> well, we think with, you know, we, we perceive with everything. 
Mm. You know, we th- we think with with our minds or our brains, and maybe the mm-hmm. mind is something even beyond the brain. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're starting to find is that the the stuff that makes up the mind is is also in the gut, and it's also in the tissues mm. of the body. Mm. Right, the things that govern our mental state, our mood. You know, we know that there's something called a gut biome, mm. right? And when the gut biome is in good balance, I'm sure you've spoken to you know loads of people about this. When the gut is in good balance, um, we we get the neurochemistry that's involved in happiness and wellness. But when our gut's out of balance, um, it's very very hard to feel like everything's okay. Mm. Right, and when there's physical tension in the body, and when you know, for me, when I first started doing yoga, I used to get Oh, it's horrible. I used to get this feeling of almost like a, it's going to sound really like extreme, but it almost felt like a hot knife plunging into my solar plexus. Like right That's underneath. quite extreme. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, I, I'd had some things happen you know, in my teenage years that made me mm. very panicked. Right. And mm-hmm. when I felt anxiety, that whole area would tighten up. And mm-hmm. so you know, if your brain is thinking, God, something feels a little unsafe, or you're just stressed on mm-hmm. a level that you don't you don't understand your body will just go and it'll it'll grasp Mm. onto that tension and then i didn't really know how to breathe to make it better or what to stretch Mm -hmm. or that i could stretch i was just like oh this is you know i was convinced that the reaction Mm. was was genuine so we sort of reverse the um the tension patterns and then we go okay i'm safe i'm right we look around and we start to mm. feel, okay, it's not so bad. Whether it's anxiety or um, mm. we feel depressed, kind of feel really pulled down, like really weighed yeah. down, really, really heavy. And if you can bring a little bit of um, lightness into the body, then it starts to change the neurochemistry. And, um, you know, a lot of the sleep stuff is either because we're anxious or because we're quite weighed down and yeah. feeling depressed on you know, yeah. not, not always, but, you know, usually it works in one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people might be like me and, you know, they don't have a particular sleep issue, but mm. I only just found out, and it was actually from doing a podcast with Henrietta Norton, the nutritionist. Okay. And she's, she's saying, well, sometimes it doesn't matter how good, because we were talking about good quality nutrition. She said, mm-hmm. well, if you're not sleeping, it doesn't mm. matter how amazing the nutrition is, your body won't be able to process it. And that sleep is actually not only just the cornerstone to, you know, we all know that you feel crappy the next day if you don't yeah. sleep properly. It's not only that, but the sleep is such an important thing in our life that we can't even process our food. We can't take in nutrition without good sleep so it's a sleep is actually just it's the most important thing that we can do is to learn to sleep but somehow we're not sort of taught the skills we're just expected as you say to have an on-off switch (laughs) yeah absolutely and and just like what you're saying the on-off switch is probably the worst um worst metaphor that we can use to describe it because like what you said about um henrietta's podcast we are doing so much while we're sleeping. It's just that we're not in control. Mm. Right? Our logical, rational minds are not in control, but our creaturely bodies are doing a huge amount of work for us. Mm. And mm. being able to rest and being able to let that happen is really important. That's where the, you know, it's, it, it's a very yogic thing to return to good sleep, I think, because it's saying, you know, I'm, I, my concept mm. of 
who I am as a human being. My personality is not in control mm. of this. You know, it's a oh, time wow. where you have to let go. That's that's very esoteric, I'm sure, but um, that's slightly br- blown my brain and many oh, other yeah. people. It's, yeah, it's, so you have to let go a little bit, and and we don't like to do that sometimes. No. Our society is all about holding on and controlling things and being in charge. And, you know, you go through school and you've got to get the A grades and then you've got to do this and then you've got to get the job. And it's all you've got to push hard to do that. What do you mean? Let go. You're never going to get the A grades if you let go. So, you know, that's the that's the thing in our society. We're not told that there's any reward for letting go. Well, and the interesting thing about it is that as I've, I I went from a very kind of type A personality career, Mm -hmm. I used to literally work for a think tank. Mm -hmm. I worked for a think tank, you know, a a progressive think Mm -hmm. tank, but a think tank nonetheless. So you can imagine it's very thinky, right? (laughs) You're very much, you know, needing to be um, good on the research and in control and be very logical and, you know, being a yoga teacher and being someone who's pursuing more creative stuff, you actually in order to do anything creative, you have to let go. Mm. You know, you have when you're teaching, you know, when I'm teaching a yoga class, I have to breathe. I have to watch what's happening in the room. I have to be receptive mm. as much as I am um, guiding. Like a conductor mm. of an orchestra has to listen to the orchestra, not mm. just kind of force the, you know, force the music to be as they want. They have to listen to what they're getting and tune it finely. And I think, you know, this quality of receptivity is something that we can learn in yoga and it's not something that came to me innately you know i'm, mm-hmm. I'm much more of a an impatient <laughs> um, yeah. you know do, do everything sort of person i and, hear you <laughs> yeah exactly um so being able to learn relearn patience receptivity getting out of the way um that mm. that's all aligned with sleep it's all aligned with rest and digest it's all aligned with really ultimately what I think yoga was put here to teach us right, in, wow. in our culture. Right. Wow. Yeah, because that whole thing of letting go, you know, I'm like, okay, I've done letting go now. I can do that. I want to let go in five, four, three, two, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gone. <laughs> but, it, right. but this takes it to a whole new level that actually sleep recovery isn't just about sleep. It's about the way that you are able to see the world, right? And access different things in the world. Yeah. Because here you're accessing a, recept- a receptivity, a creativity, um, and a listening, I suppose, that you wouldn't be able to if you were not in that rest and digest mode. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's why I've stayed with doing this. It wasn't just one workshop. It wasn't just, you know, training. It was, you know, it's, it's been compelling to me because I think I care about what's happening for all of us in our culture. And, and, you know, I sort Mm -hmm. of, I, I grew up with, I don't know, a real strong, um, feminist streak and, you know, a kind of slightly political sociological way of looking at things. I think it was part of the way I grew up. I grew up with a very kind of non-traditional social justice oriented religion. You know, I'd come, my parents were from two different religious backgrounds. Um, Mm -hmm. My father's family was Italian Catholic. My mother's family originally was German Jewish. And because of what happened in Nazi Germany, when my grandmother was there as a, as a small child, she left um, Germany and mm-hmm. and converted to Unitarianism, which is a Protestant religion. And when I used to go to church, I used to hear poems. I used to hear 
um, protest songs. There were, you know, even in the relatively small um, community in New Jersey where, where I went to church, there were, you know, gay families and black families and, you know, mixed race families. And it was far more progressive than the town that I grew up in. And most of the people I went to school with, um, you know, to grade school with, were either one religion or another. They were either Catholic, or Protestant, or Jewish. And I was in one that mm-hmm. was totally different and had this really different way of looking at things. And I didn't have a bar mitzvah, mm-hmm. a bat mitzvah. I didn't have a confirmation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the religion that I grew up in, you could go to this youth camp, which I never went to, which I, you know, I think everybody had such a great time at. And I hear a lot of people um, had their, uh, you know, fun teenage experiences there. I, I opted right. out before that and instead went to, went to summer camp instead. So I had these experiences that made me look at things a bit differently. And so even the way I do my yoga mm-hmm. is sort of like looking out from a vantage point outside the yoga world and saying, what's happening here? What are, what are we doing mm-hmm. when we're doing this? What are we doing when we're not sleeping? Mm-hmm. And I, it's a long winded way of saying, I think I've just had a slight outsider's perspective on things mm-hmm. and things become interesting to me. Mm-hmm when I think there's a, a way to try to shift any of the negative tendencies of what's happening in the dominant culture and the dominant paradigm. Um, so it's, it's sort mm. of like a, it's, it's like a kind of slightly revolutionary way of like things. I, you know, just bit by bit, mm. you know? Yeah. I think that's great because you're, you're right. And I, it's kind of come to my attention that, um, a lot of the yoga replicates what we do in our life. A lot of yoga in the way that it's sort of taught in a normal thing. Thank like you. I, exactly. I came to Ashtanga. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and I was a very sort of driven, organized, type A, structured person. So I went to Ashtanga and I did exactly the same on yeah, the yoga exactly. mat to achieve the poses. <laughs> like I was achieving my pay rise, like, yeah. you know. And so I was literally just replicating my life on the yoga yeah. mat. And that's what a lot of... um that's kind of what we do. That's our default mm-hmm. mode, isn't it? Yeah. Because, you know, we want to achieve crow pose or we want to achieve whatever shape it is that we're achieving. And we want our heels to be down and downward yeah. dog in the same way that we want to improve our pay grade well, and become a manager. That's it. I mean, there, there are two things that I think are so interesting about what you've just said. One is like, I've heard it expressed like this, and I think it might have come mm-hmm. from um, my training as a psychotherapist, which was probably the probably the the hardest yoga I've ever done, right, is train is oh, really? psychotherapist oh, well, and, have, and have my own therapy and really, you know, be um be be really seen. Um so the, the mm. way we do one thing is the way we do everything. Right? Wow. The way we do one thing is the it's way so we true. do everything until we become conscious mm. that we're doing the thing. And until we make mm. a commitment to try to soften that edge and do something a little mm. differently. Do it differently. Yeah. And that's so true. Yeah. I'm going to do dating now. You're going to date everybody. You're going <laughs> to do competitions now. You're gonna, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I can totally see that, Lisa. Yeah. That's, such a, that's such a good way of putting it. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And until <laughs> we wake up to what it is that we're doing. And that's really hard because, you know, sometimes... 
it's, it's difficult when, when situations and people point that out to us, you're doing this, you get, Oh, you know, people, people kind of recoil in shame when they're, when they're called on their things. I know that I did initially, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you, if you're a yogi that is seeking like a, a deeper kind of transformation or a person who just wants to stop suffering from the same situation over and over and over again, you start, you start going, okay, well, maybe I need some help with this, you know? I, you know? So which is, you know, it's interesting, like even in the sleep stuff, I came up with this, you know, I didn't come up with the Ayurvedic doshas clearly, but, you know, I started looking at why people's sleep went out of balance in different ways. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if a pitta person, you know, somebody who's very fiery is go, go, go all the time and wants to have more control, then their mm-hmm. sleep is actually going to mirror that. Right. And somebody wow. who's very, who tends to be very scattered and have a lot of difficulty being pinned down and making decisions, who's a bit more airy, quite creative, but you know, the Vata type will actually tend to sleep like that. Mm-hmm. You know, will sleep you know, in a very wow. kind of um, almost like hovering above the sheets, not quite dipping in too much, very lightly. And then somebody who's got more like kind of earthy stability and consistency will tend to have a deeper sleep. And then if they go out of balance, they might not get a very refreshing sleep, but they'll sleep for a while. So I would imagine, Kat, you're probably mm-hmm. primarily fiery, but you have a lot of earth in you to be able to hold the business that you're, that you're doing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. To, to stay with it and to manage people and to manage your mm-hmm. dogs. And you, you know, you, I, I know you, you've always made a beautiful home for yourself. You, know, you have enough, mm-hmm. as I would understand it, kapha in you. You have enough earthiness in you yeah. to be able to, to do that. And that probably really helps you when it mm-hmm. comes to your sleep. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's very interesting. I think that probably is true, isn't it? So, um, so how can people sort of understand how their natural propensity will help them to sleep and how they can, how, how can they work with that? So people who don't have the sort of sense of stability grounding that I naturally might have, um, people who are sort of more airy, fiery, mm-hmm. often, how, how can they work with how they naturally are in order to help themselves sleep better? Well, I, you know, I find as a more fiery person, if I get enough but not too much exercise, my sleep is really good. If I do too much, mm-hmm. I burn myself out because I have a really full day. Mm-hmm. I, I like to do lots of different projects and I like to, um, you know, have my hands in different pies and do different is that is that even a metaphor hands in different pies is that the is that the metaphor lots of things on the go I, I really like to um so i need to make sure that i schedule in downtime mm-hmm. like not doing anything mm-hmm. time i actually schedule in between therapy clients 10 minutes where i put my legs up the chair and I just rest mm. because I know I, I, I kind of do, because if I don't do it, then I'm going to be researching something. I'll be responding to emails. I'll be doing all sorts of things. And sometimes that stuff just has to wait. I have to go, okay, this mm. needs to wait because I need to prioritize rest. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and for airy people, you know, I'm just thinking of, of a friend of mine, like she really needs consistency in her schedule. Right? Mm. That really helps to ground her. And also, you know, for her being around people enough helps to, to, to give mm-hmm. her more like, you know, cause the, the Vata type tends to be like runs cold and, you know, tends to be very wiry and 
mm. you know, slim build. So she needs to like make sure that she eats enough and eats enough warm stuff and have consistency in her schedule. Um, and then the people who are more, you know, more kapha, more, I call them monkey, tiger, and bear in the, in the, in the sleep recovery book because it's for the general public and we right. don't want to use Ayurvedic language. But, you know, the bear type or the, the more uh, kapha type um, needs to actually get some, get some movement, get some exercise, get some um, kind of sparky activity. You know, mm-hmm. And what, I think probably mm-hmm. one of the reasons that you're in good balance, Kat, is, and that your sleep is really good, is that you get out with your dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. My, it's my non-negotiable every day, two to three hours of um, hill walking. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, <laughs> that blows the cobwebs out. Um, it yeah. does. You're right. And, and there is nothing like sort of taking in fresh air and being outdoors, um, especially in this climate, which oh, is yeah. just so unforgiving. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it really does. But, you know, there's going to be no cobwebs around here after <laughs> gone out in one of these gales yeah. oh my we've been having such high <laughs> yeah. winds lately you know but it's interesting it's like the, the, yeah. the british climate is so beautiful though it's like this kind of damp cool air on your skin mm-hmm. it makes your cheeks rosy it gets your blood circulating Ooh. sure does yeah yeah, yeah. well I'm, I'm, things you know you stay indoors and you work on stuff when the weather isn't isn't so good <laughs> Yeah, well, that, well, that's that's very true, and um, and and I think that's sort of got to be right. Just you know, go outdoors, and it, it will help sleep. Mm-hmm. And w- what other little tips can people do? Because I like this resting throughout the day. I love it. So that's something that's a bit different because normally people associate good sleep with winding down at the end of the day, not what you do during the day. So what you're yeah. saying is slightly different i think it's both i think it's really both um Mm. you know winding down at the end of the day absolutely but if you you know if you think about it um when we lay down to rest and to go to sleep at night right so for a lot of people that's the first time all day unless they've thought about it or unless they naturally learned to have a rest um my dad used to take these little micro naps and he used to joke with dad humor i'm checking my eyelids to make sure there aren't any holes in them <laughs> right he used to have these little <laughs> micro naps during the day and he always sleeps well at night yeah. uh, he's hilarious um but you know if we if we just go body in bed at 10 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. i haven't rested all day it's like your whole nervous system throughout the day as soon as you get tired you're having these little dips throughout the day which is completely natural you will feel tired mm-hmm. and what you do during the day is you kind of go and you jolt yourself back awake mm-hmm. multiple times throughout the Strong day coffee. either either yeah. a coffee <laughs> or a sweet or moving around whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're doing if in our culture when we feel tired we're trained don't yawn because that's rude. Mm-hmm. We're trained, um, wake yourself back up, right? Instead of, oh, you feel tired, mm-hmm. close your eyes for a minute. Take a little rest if you feel tired. Wow. Right? So then when you finally get to the end of the day, you're probably super mm-hmm. exhausted, but your body is accustomed mm-hmm. to interpreting the tiredness cue and jolting you back awake. That mm-hmm. makes sense? Wow. Almost like a total. This makes total yeah, sense. Like a Pavlovian yeah. response. Like you ring the bell, the dog salivates. You know, you feel tired, mm-hmm. you wake yourself up. So, for some people, learning that interoceptive cue, which says, ah, I feel sleepy. Let me ah, settle myself. Let me rest. Yeah, let me just breathe out, settle, calm a little bit. That's what mm-hmm. I do when I get that cue. 
and listening to it. It's kind of like if you're really hungry and you don't eat, your hunger cues mm-hmm. start to go off. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that repeatedly, repeatedly, yeah. repeatedly. And and this is so, so fascinating because I'm thinking of a, a friend of mine who, when she's tired, instead of sort of, she can't even recognize tiredness. So she just gets more and more wound up the later it goes yeah. and starts running, running, running around and starting fights and things because obviously yeah. she doesn't feel great. Yeah. So, um and, I, and that's just sort of an inability to sort of listen to what your body is saying. And to you. that, you know, it's interesting studying you know, psychology and psychotherapy. It goes way back mm-hmm. for a lot of people because, you know, when, when, uh-huh. when we're, when we're, you know, say you fall down and you scrape your knee and you, mm-hmm. you start crying. Somebody says to you, don't cry. Your parent says to you, don't cry. They don't mm-hmm. want to see you cry. They don't want to see you unhappy, but also, you know, mm-hmm. our caregiver's ability to tolerate, our negative emotions can be pretty low, mm. right? Like, I don't want you to be mm. sad. Or, um, you know, I want you to go and get ready for school, but you're tired. You're not tired. It's time to go to school. Right? You are tired, but it is time to go to school. So if we learn to, if, we, if we're taught, um, you're not feeling what you're feeling, for, even for good mm-hmm. reasons, right? Even for you know, mm. not horrible reasons, you know, but that can be more extreme. You know, this breaking of the connection between I'm feeling this internally and I'm perceiving it mm-hmm. and responding to it appropriately. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Fascinating. So if we, if we, get totally. two, we might go, Oh no, that's not what that is. Mm-hmm. And yoga with, when we do yoga, that is interoceptively aware, slower, more mindful of mm-hmm. what we're feeling in the body. Uh, more focused, then it repairs that interoceptive capacity. So we go, oh, hunger, let me eat something. Oh, tiredness, let me sleep. Mm-hmm. And your friend who runs around and doesn't recognize it, yeah. you know, my, my, you know, who knows what 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 they learned about? Um, mm-hmm. Keep going. That's You're not right. tired. And and that's a very dominant message in our culture, isn't it? That, you know, you have to keep going, you have to persist, you have to fight that as if every day is a battle, you know, the strongest will survive and all of And this. it's even in our metaphors about disease, like battling a disease. Actually, you know, it's so much better to embrace and love and care for your body, you know, whatever happens to mm-hmm. it, rather than battling something internally. And it's interesting, you know, like learning you know, as a, as a psychotherapist, we can see things as like wars, you know, between one part of ourself and another. But I, I learned a transpersonal psychotherapy, which says like, if some part of you is in conflict with one, with another part, listen to what those perspectives are saying mm-hmm. and, and, and try to hear what those voices within you are saying and have them negotiate with, with one another. Don't try to push it away right. or, um, you know, increase the conflict. That's absolutely fascinating. I love that. And that feels like it's off the topic of sleep, but actually it's deeply on the topic of how we can rest within ourselves, I suppose. And I think, you know, like the dominant way of doing um, care for insomnia is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is good, but it's only part of the problem. And even Mm -hmm. the sleeping pills, which deal Mm -hmm. with your neurochemistry are only part of the part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, one of the, 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 one of the times when people lose sleep is whether they, you know if they've, if they've had a bereavement, if they're having conflict at work, if they're going through a breakup, a divorce, whatever, um, mm-hmm. and these are things that like you can't 
magic away by changing your thoughts. Mm. You've got to change your understanding of yourself, maybe negotiate with other human beings and improve your relationships, you know, Mm. or improve your ability to kind of like transition through your relationships. And then whatever's agitating you gets taken care of. Does that make sense? So like, you know, that's yeah. why I like the five-layered model that we get in the Upanishads from from yoga, um, from the yoga tradition. And we have the, you know, prana. We have the we have the physical body, energy, um, mind. I interpret the the wisdom layer as uh, the emotions, and then the the spiritual mm-hmm. stuff. So if any one part of ourselves is out of balance, that could be affecting our sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not mm-hmm. just uh, it, it's it's not just your tension in your body and it's not just having a lot of work on it's like oh something is something is knocking on the door and saying please pay attention to me and it's it's one of those areas that making mm. sense? Uh, that, that's really interesting yeah that, that, and and again that's a very interesting way of looking at it because it's not just saying there's something wrong with your off switch which is basically like how we're taught like yeah. Take a pill and you'll get a better off Well, and, and the thing <laughs> is that, you know, it, it really, we want to have our problems go away quickly. You know, mm-hmm. and, that, and we all want that. I want that. You want that. We all want mm-hmm. things to yeah. feel better immediately. And, you know, in, in this culture, mm-hmm. it really is supported by people selling us stuff. You know, we, mm-hmm. we all need to earn a living. People earn their livings by selling us pharmaceuticals and mm-hmm. methods of doing things, you know. And so, you know, there's a, there's a really big industry around sleep that supports this idea. This will switch you off, right? Use this, mm-hmm. you know, use this app, use this pill, use this potion, use this pillow spray, and it'll help you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's, what's important about a yoga perspective is like, well, that stuff might be nice and it might help. But if the problem is in your physical body being tense or in your relationships having conflict, like, I'm sorry, but you know, Mm -hmm. the pillow spray is not going to be bigger than your divorce. You know, like (laughs) no pillow spray was, was going to help me through my divorce. (laughs) You know, like I had to do yoga therapy, like actually working through it. And that's what made me sleep better. (laughs) I I quite like that about the pillow spray. (laughs) So, so do you have any feelings about other, you know, other gizmos, gadgets, lavender oil, all the things that sort of people suggest, chamomile tea, which which bits of these do you, do do you sign up for? And and what do you think doesn't work? Well, it's interesting. Like personally, there are a lot of things that I like for myself, but they're not the things that really crack the sleep problem. Right. And then there are some things on the other side that they'll talk about in a minute that are, I think that are actively possibly detrimental to Mm-hmm. recovering and repairing our sleep. So we'll talk about like the, the stuff that's nice that doesn't, that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily solve it, but is lovely. Um, okay. So the, you know, the, the, the pillow spray that I referred to, you know, nice yeah. scent in your room and candles, you know, actually candles, there's a little bit more research around this, having red spectrum light in the room when mm-hmm. you're trying to go to sleep and, and at night is more advantageous for supporting good sleep than having blue spectrum light. Mm. So it's better than your LED screen to have the red light of a candle. And mm. actually what's interesting is that our light bulbs now are all this blue and white spectrum light rather than the red spectrum light mm. of the incandescent bulbs. And I think that's partly what's 
you know, maybe having a marginal effect on our, on our sleep as a, as a, as a culture. So I think that, you know, red spectrum light does make a difference. Nice smelling things, they are lovely, but they're not going to cure insomnia, right? They're not going to be bigger than (laughs) your, um, they're not going to be bigger than drinking caffeine too late into the day. They're not going to have more of an impact Mm -hmm. on that. Um, So, you know, things like uh, proper chamomile tea, like the the commercial Mm -hmm. stuff that you get, may not be useful, but if you go to a place like Neil's Yard and you get the kind of professional grade chamomile, it's a little bit stronger, that's mm-hmm. all fine. But that's sort of like a temporary solution. That's not really going to deal right. with uh, intractable insomnia or long-term sleep problems. Those things will, will, will marginally mm-hmm. relax you. And then if you do other things like mm-hmm. you um, repair your ability to rest and then pull the tension out of your mm-hmm. body and all that stuff, then you know those things provide a little bit of a positive boost, right? Um, what other things, um, the apps, I, I think it's really difficult with apps because it's keeping you closer to your phone and it's keeping you using something where, you know, you could just very easily click on something else and do some shopping. I've, you know, if I'm not, I can, you know, my mind is very active. If I'm, you know, if I'm on Spotify listening to sleep music in the middle of the night, it's just one click away to research a, you know, a present for somebody for Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Day today. You know, and it's like, hmm, you know, if my phone is nearby, Uh, the temptation is really strong. So I actually do a lot better when mm -hmm. I leave the phone out of the room. So those apps for sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, might encourage us that, you know, why is so much stuff on our phone? Um, mm-hmm. and, and also you don't mm-hmm. really, you, you could be reminded of meditative states, but really you're not going to learn how to meditate through an app. You're not going to learn. You might get a mm-hmm. good prompt that way. Um, but you're not going to mm-hmm. necessarily learn through, through an app. When we do stuff on movement for modern life, what I think is really beautiful is that we get the, we get the guidance from somebody and then we can take that into our lives. That's my intention when I do classes. Mm-hmm. on this platform is that I'm teaching something that you use the you use the video to learn it and then you bring it into mm-hmm. your life in some small way. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where mm-hmm. apps mm-hmm. and online videos are really great. You know, we can we can refer to them and and practice with them and embed um something really powerful mm-hmm. within us and we can get the support that we need. Um, but mm-hmm. if it's on the phone and it's right before bed, I think mm, the temptation could be pretty great to go clicking mm. around. So we have to be yeah. careful with that. And then the thing that I think I'm not it has to be said, I put my phone, so I do do that, those kinds of things before sleep. But I put mine on Wi Fi mode. Um not Wi Fi airplane, airplane mode. You know? So it slightly takes that away. It's so easy and to I take it off of airplane mode that. though. If it's in the room it's just like click off airplane mode. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to be a bit disciplined uh, on that. I'm one of the least disciplined people I know, which is why the phone has to go out of the room. Um, That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, also like the the Fitbits and the and the um, you know and the monitors right. that you wear on your wrist. I'm not entirely mm-hmm. convinced that they can tell the difference between when you're awake and when you're asleep. Because oh yeah, really? Um, because they work based on your heart rate and breathing rate. Um, mm. They don't. They don't have some special like uh, electrodes on your brain to tell you what state of yeah, sleep right. you're in. So when you're asleep, you go from something called non-REM sleep, which is deep body sleep, where your heart rate gets lower, into REM sleep, mm-hmm. which is when your heart rate increases. 
right? Because you're having dreams and it's, it's called rapid eye movement sleep, right? And you're doing a lot of mm-hmm. uh, brain digestion, memory reorganization, and a number of other things during REM sleep. And so your heart rate will increase. So you may actually get a read on your Fitbit that tells you that you've been awake, right? Mm-hmm. Because your heart rate is up. But you might actually be in some mm-hmm. of the most productive sleep of the night. Right? Yeah, right. So, and presumably the other way around as well. In, in, in what sense? That you're... So presumably it might think that you are asleep because you've got your breathing really, really slow. You're doing your breathing techniques, but you're still awake. Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily know mm. as much as we think it will. So then people, they look at their Fitbit in the morning and they're like, oh my God, I only got five hours of sleep, mm. but I was, I was in bed from this time to that time. And, and then they get really neurotic and then they have to buy something else. To fix the problem, <laughs> I see. Right? So the thing right. that tells you that you've got the problem often has a solution for the problem. Here, try this now. <laughs> Buy this now. You know, like ideally, you know, I, I want to put myself out of business. I want everybody mm. to sleep really well. I want them to look at my videos or, you know, read my book, do the stuff in it and not need me to teach them that anymore. I don't want to sell them anything else. Right. I want, I want to move <laughs> yeah. on to the next thing. I want everyone to sleep really well. And I want to move on to the next thing because the problem has been solved. I don't want to keep selling things right. that have to do with the same problem. Um, right. Whereas, you know, the, the kind of model that our, our economy works on is that people have to keep buying things because we need economic growth. <laughs> so this is like yeah, a right. much more macro picture, but, um, you know, we have to be careful about using certain kinds of technology because they may not be giving us an accurate read and then they could make us more neurotic about it. More anxious. Yeah. Um, and so what, what is your optimal like sleep routine? So we're talking now in the last sort of hour of the day or does it go before that? So you're taking rest through the day. You know, what's, what's the full picture? How, how should we be doing it or what works well, for well, you? I can't, I, I can't say what works for everybody because, you know, I, I've, I've done this long enough to know that, you know, people are so different. People are so, right. so, 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 so different. Um, and I can tell you what works for me. And when I work with people individually, you know, I tweak things for them because, you know, their day is going to be different to mine. Your day is going to be different to mine. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I use mm-hmm. the different types you know, in the book so that people can look at what they identify with most. So having said that, you know, what's my ideal sleep routine? Like, when is it, when's it going to work really well for me? Um, you know, I might have some caffeine in the morning, but I'm not going to have it after about 10, 10 AM. And really, if I can get myself just to, to one cup of something in the morning, that's probably better. And pro- for me, I don't, I don't, if I'm off of coffee, I'm much better. Um, like a green tea, mm. matcha, or, you know, black tea mm-hmm. is, is better. Um, it has less of an effect on my nervous system. You know, it's like, you know, coffee's like mm. just so, so, so strong. For some people, they can drink a cup of yeah. coffee right before bed and then sleep eight hours. So it's so different for different people. I, know. You know, I, I lived with somebody yeah. once who could just down a double espresso and then off to dreamland for eight hours. I was like, I'm so envious, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's amazing. amazing. I call these people the magical unicorn sleepers. Like, who are these people? Um, But so, you know, I I have to limit my caffeine intake. I've got to, you know, get some get some breakfast in. You know, before our our call, Mm -hmm. I was eating a protein bar, and uh, Mm -hmm. I find that's very helpful. And then, you know, do the work, but have a rest in the middle. So if I'm if I'm going 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 with no stop, I actually find that my sleep is less hearty. 
you know, less, less healthy. Mm-hmm. So those are a little bit of rest. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, um, eating a bigger meal in the middle of the day rather than having a big mm-hmm. meal late at, at night. So, you know, I've got family in town yeah. this week. So we went out for a, a nice dinner in the evening and, and I had, a, mm-hmm. I, you know, as part of the dinner, I had a cocktail. And so I just knew that I wasn't going to have mm-hmm. my deepest, best night's sleep. For me, you know, one, you know, yeah. if I have any alcohol at all, it tends to throw off my sleep. My body mm-hmm. temperature changes. I sleep much more lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, avoiding alcohol is really helpful, even for people who find that it mm-hmm. relaxes them initially, it makes the quality of sleep lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and eating a bigger meal at mm-hmm. night, like I did last night, will tend to throw off the sleep. So if we can front load that into the lunchtime and then have a little rest in the afternoon, mm-hmm then the rest of the day is not running on running on reserves and running on adrenaline and it's it's more rested the second half of the day so yeah. the other piece of it is getting to bed if i can do this man it's like it's like gold dust it's so great. <laughs> okay. i've actually changed my teaching <laughs> schedule because i've realized that if i go to bed at 11 o'clock right um mm-hmm. that's like that's after i've had What's what's the word like a, a second wave of of, of energy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The second, yeah, yeah that's right. Like, so yeah. I actually, I actually get tired at about eight nine o'clock, right? Eight mm-hmm. or nine o'clock. And so in in London, a lot of people say that that's the dinner hour, you know, or if you're having social plans, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. when you're going to be you're still going to be out at that time. But that's actually when my body gets tired. It's it's getting darker. I've been awake for a long time, yeah. and my body's actually tired. If I actually go to bed. When that first sleep bus comes around, yeah. if I get on the bus, I get some really, really <laughs> good sleep. I might wake up, you know, maybe two, three o'clock in the morning, which is totally fine because I've had a, a big chunk of sleep already. I might wake mm. up and then go back to bed, have some more dreams, and then, you know, be up pretty early. Mm. But going to bed too late, I think, because we think this is the time yeah. when we go to bed rather than when we're actually tired is, is, uh, is really detrimental. That's a big one, isn't it? And and it's interesting because then in, in it's the same in loads of different traditions is what I've discovered. So in the course of talking to Mimi for her podcast oh, yeah. and in her book, um, you know, yeah, it's exactly the same, yeah. isn't it? Because she says that it, it's the second wind that happens at 10 p.m. And that's, you know, the ancient Chinese sort of had that as exactly the same. So she's saying you have to wind down earlier. <laughs> but the ancient Chinese didn't have Netflix. I know, I know. So we have I think they had no night. idea how good the telly yeah. was at the night. No, I mean, do you remember? I mean, we're old enough to remember. I, I think maybe you are too. I'm not sure. But I remember when television went <laughs> off. Like, there was no television left Absolutely. at the end of the day. Like, you, you had a test pattern. Yeah. That was it. Beep. It's done. Go to bed. Yeah. You know, and now it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's right. never done. Nothing is ever done. There's that's always, funny. someone's that's always funny. awake. There's always streaming content. That's great in some yeah. ways, but it's also like, it's so dizzying. Mm-hmm. I think it was, You're right. The ancient Chinese were not contending They, were not, they did right. not have this to deal with. They had other things, but they did not have Netflix to deal <laughs> right. with. They did not have to be as disciplined as we do about, you know. It's very true. And it is, it is like getting that discipline. But I think it's the same. I was reading in Ayurveda as, as well that the uh, koshas change at 10 p.m. There's like a changing of the guard and suddenly you get the vata energy um, that comes in at that time of day. Yeah. And that's the reason why we're all like, oh, we're 10 p.m. Let's go again. Yeah. So, so, yeah, like the the the, the um, 
the, the different uh, Bata, Pitta, and Kapha, they have dominant times during the day. Exactly. So, yeah, that's Vata right. time. And then whew, you, you, it's much more airy. <laughs> and, you know, there are times when it's easier to meditate. There are times when it's easier to do exercise. There are times when it's easier to concentrate. And, you know, if we can, if we can find those, and they do vary a bit person to person, but like the, the human body evolved over billions mm-hmm. of years. So although there are fluctuations and variations between individual humans, like there's a general trend of evolution that caused us to be the way yeah. we are. And it didn't have much to do with electric lights and Netflix. Right. So if we, you know, you, you live, you know, you've made a really conscious choice to live in nature, to be with mm-hmm. creatures mm-hmm. that are not, they don't care yeah. about what's on Netflix. They're going to do their creaturely thing. I mean, maybe do they care? That's right. Um, you know, the, so okay. you're, you're going to keep yourself closer to nature and to your own human nature when you're surrounded by creatures and you're, mm-hmm. you know, kind of working with their mm-hmm. uh, rhythms yeah. and, and more aligned to the day and night rhythms. You know, I, that, that's funny. The, the doggos go off to bed at half past nine. That's it. And if I'm still up, I, I'm like, God, go to bed. <laughs> Stop rolling their eyes at me. Like, what? We still up? What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, that's the thing. Like we, we give a lot of science to it. We give a lot of scope to it just to discover what's already there. So I just wanted to ask about mama points. What are they? Where do they come from? And why are they so useful? Because they work. They're secret magic buttons. A secret. Because everyone understands stretching, but mama points. (laughs) Okay. So like if I say acupressure, does that make it any easier to understand, or does that sound weird too? Um, it, it, it might be for some folks. So let's go back a step. What's acupressure? Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you how how I got into this because I'm like the world's biggest skeptic about everything until I've experienced it, and then I go, "Oh, that! How does that work? Why does that work?" Um, so when I was um, when I started teaching in uh, Trioga and Primrose Hill years ago, there was this great uh, massage practitioner. His name is Jono Condus. And he was doing Ayurvedic massage. And I noticed that during the Ayurvedic massage, which has the nice oils and the nice music and the nice mm-hmm. scent, and they, they press on different parts of the body. And I noticed that when mm-hmm. my massage therapist uh, pressed on these parts of the body, it was like, boom, just huge mm-hmm. effect on me, just relaxing me immediately, not just like rubbing on the skin or, or pressing the muscles, but actually finding these very specific points. And it felt like a magic button. Like, you, you know, in uh, Star Trek, when the Vulcans would like pinch the mm-hmm. nerve at the neck, it was the Vulcan death grip. And it was like, ah, the person would just collapse. It was a little bit like that. And I'd had that effect from acupuncture. You know, the acupuncturist would put a needle in the crown of my head, which sounds awful if you don't, if you're not into acupuncture, but it would just be so relaxing to me. There are certain points where you're, you're, um, I guess it's, you know, where the, where the nerve pathways cross, so to speak. Mm. Um, these Ayurvedic points, but very similar to mm. acupuncture, but without needles, you know, you press these points mm. and, and they have an effect on your body because your nerves run from your spine, right? All the way mm-hmm. through every other part of your body. So when you press on the distal point, the far away point, it communicates up the line to that point in your spine, which affects your internal organs and affects um, even the messaging to the brain. Cause we talked about the vagus nerve earlier and that 10 lane mm-hmm. highway 80% from body to brain. 
So when you press on certain mm. places in the body and you, and you know where they are and you breathe with it, when you breathe in and you press and you breathe out and you release, um, it can have a really big effect. So mm. I asked Jono, what are these magic points that you're pressing? Mm. And he said, here are a few of them. And they come from mm. a long tradition of Ayurvedic practitioners. So what those guys had was a lot of time. So they could observe, when I do this, what happens? They were masters of interoception. Mm. Okay, so I, I've broken it down into a couple of points on the hands and a couple of points on the face that I teach. Um, and mm. I don't know if they made it into Sleep Recovery, the, the blue book that's for the general public, because I thought it might seem a little too esoteric. But in the, the white book that's for... But luckily, they made... But they made it into made it the uh, movement yeah. from life video. Yeah, it's, it's much easier to explain them when I've taught the breathing. Right. right? If you're not breathing, then just pressing on right. your hand doesn't make a big difference. But if you breathe in, so you, I don't know if you want to do this with me now. If you find your yeah, if you take your, let's have everybody at home. Do so it. if you take your okay. look at your right thumbnail, look at your right thumbnail. Not, not if you're driving. Not if you're driving. Okay. If you're stopped, great. Okay. So you take your right thumb and you place it like. You run your, your right thumb up your left thumb to like the place where your index finger and your thumb meet. So there was that L shape between the index finger and the thumb. Okay. Right. And then you take yep. your index finger of the right hand and you place it just behind your right thumb. Like, so you're sandwiching your left hand, right? You're sandwiching okay. your left hand between your thumb and your forefinger. And you've got a little point there at the yep. L between your index finger and your thumb. Right. It's all in the video. So yep. if you get turned around, if you're listening to the podcast, you're getting <laughs> turned around, then, then check out the video. But when you inhale and you do that smoothly, you inhale and you press with your right thumb onto your left hand, and then you exhale and you release the pressure and you let your shoulders drop. And then you inhale and you press with your thumb and index finger on the left hand, right at that crook of the hand. It should be like a kind of bulbous part of the hand, little mm. sticky part. And then you exhale ah, and release. We're doing that together. And then inhale, That's yeah, cool. inhale, press, do that again. <laughs> ah, exhale, release. All right, so you do that six times on each side. Ooh. Yeah, and, and yeah. Ooh. There's actually like a wave of, um, it softens, doesn't it? It just softens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that one's particularly yeah. safe for anybody. Oh, if It's not necessarily a good one to do during pregnancy because it relaxes. It's said to even relax the, the uterus and the pelvic floor. So, you know, pretty much anyone can do okay. that. Not for not pregnancy. Pregnancy. Not for um, most okay. of the time, the counterindications, you know, nothing bad's going to happen, but we just want to make sure. <laughs> um, Mm. So yeah, those, those acupressure points on the hand, I love them because, you know, if you're in bed and say you've got a partner next to you doing stretches mm -hmm. and doing, you know, some of the yoga movements, the bed might shake and, you know, you might wake up your partner, mm -hmm. but when you're doing these acupressure points, you can do them kind of stealthily in bed or you can do them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've even done them like on a, on a commuter train, you know, when I'm starting to feel Absolutely. myself get more tense. And and, and if you're a nervous flyer or something oh, like that, so there's great. a time. To... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I will actually keep my, my thumb and index finger on that point right at the crook of the, mm. of the hand during, during takeoff sometimes, or if there's turbulence on an airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, part of the, the whole sleep recovery thing is, is using these ways of managing your nervous system during the day so that you don't get into this like highly agitated, adrenalized state or you don't get into this state of complete exhaustion and, and, and like pressing these acupressure points, it's not the only thing that's going to repair your sleep, but it's part of the, it's part of the big picture.
yeah. the whole picture. Yeah, because what your videos cover, and I'm sure your book will cover too as well, is the breathing techniques. Yeah. So it's really, really important that folks learn how that they can manage their breathing. And that's obviously a yogic technique. Yeah. Um, and breathing always works. <laughs> and there's the stretching. Remember to and do there's it, the really. We need to learn how to do it and then remember to do it. That's it. True yeah. that. Absolutely true. It's like, yeah, I know full well the breathing and then I find myself, ah! oh, I haven't breathed all day. Yeah. Oh, God. It's yeah. terrible, isn't it? So the breathing and especially the three-part breath. I love that. That's a really strong I love thing. That. I learned that. Like, I yeah. think I've already been a yoga teacher for 10 years and, and one, like, elder yoga teacher took me aside and she's like, how's your yogic breathing? I was like, it's fine. And she could tell that it was fast. <laughs> I was going through a lot at the time. And she's like, here, let me teach you this. And I was like, oh, wow, I really haven't been breathing mm. properly. So almost every class I teach now, I teach that because it's like a public service to humanity to learn how to breathe properly. So is, is, is three-part breath something that we can very quickly just give people as a little technique yeah, here they sure. are sitting up? So you're, you know, if you take your hands and you place them on your low belly underneath your navel, right? So like on your two mm -hmm. hip bones, just put your hands in like interior to the hip bones, right? So they're beneath right. your navel like towards mm -hmm. the center of your body, right where your um, mm -hmm. low digestive tract is. Okay, so you inhale and you puff out the belly mm -hmm. muscles, right? And then you exhale and you just let everything soften, let your legs and your hips soften. Okay. And you do that, say, three times. And you're making like, the okay. middle-aged Buddha belly <laughs> or the Santa yeah, that's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling exactly that. <laughs> I, I get there too. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. inhale and, and puff out the belly. So it's like the opposite of what you do for a bikini belly. Right? It's like you're not trying to suck anything in. You're trying to let it release out, let the muscles release out. And then after mm. you do that a few times, and on the out breath, this is important. When you breathe out, you do, ah. And if you use sound, okay. it actually stimulates the vagus nerve, right? So you don't have to. Uh, you feel a bit of an idiot, but you have to go with it, don't I, you? I get used to it. It's, it's, there's a reason why human beings sigh. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to use the sound if you don't want to. There you go. And then the next part is if you, so where the women have the bra line, right? You mm -hmm. hook your thumbs around the sides of your rib cage and you, Trail mm -hmm. your index fingers just underneath your sternum. Mm -hmm. And you broaden your rib cage, right? So this is difficult for most mm -hmm. people when they first learn it. They usually breathe front to back very easily, but not so much side to side. Or you can just simply rest your thumbs on the yeah. sides of your rib cage. And you breathe out and you let the sides of your rib cage expand. Just a little bit at a time. It doesn't have to be forceful. You breathe in. And you exhale and you... And it's really important to, to let the exhale complete, right? To not force it or push it, wow. but let it go and sort of bottom out a little bit. And then when you're ready, you breathe mm -hmm. again. And then you let it relax. And then the third part is you touch your fingertips to the collarbones, right? Just below your neck. And, and you imagine breathing into the backs of your shoulders, because when we're stressed, we tend to breathe into the upper front third of our lungs. So you breathe into the backs of your shoulders. And when I do this, I'm really attentive to how much tension I might have in my neck or in my eyes and muscles around the eyes and around the jaw. I mean, it's the jaw. Yeah. It's always in the jaw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so then you release your jaw, especially. So you breathe in smoothly to the back. And you let the cheekbones and the jaw and the throat and the root of the tongue relax when you do that. And just a few times. And then the nice thing to do after that is to breathe belly, ribs, chest. And mm -hmm. if you're over-breathing, then you're going to create tension, right? So you just take a, like a nice sip of breath, and then you let it all out slowly. Mm. So we'll breathe in. And then a little pause there, and then breath out. And if, it's too, if the breath is too long and you feel strained, then you dial it back, you know, 5%, 10%. Mm -hmm. You do a little bit less so that you're just within your window of tolerance, and it feels... That's a really, that's a really great superpower just for like instant relaxation, really. Yeah, it's like little, being a little yoga ninja to go and do these. Things. Yeah. And if you get, if you learn them, I was, I, I recently did this um, radio interview and I was super nervous. Okay. And the interview is about mm -hmm. being a yogi and, you know, and talking about <laughs> sleep. So I really didn't want to be nervous, but I was. And yeah. during the whole thing, I, I've learned to breathe very quietly so they couldn't pick it up on the radio mics but i was breathing myself mm. down my, breathing my heart rate down so that i was calm enough to be able to be present and that's that's a yogi superpower that's a sleep recovery superpower but mm. it's one that's kind of translated into the rest of my life when i feel nervous instead of tightening up i've learned uh soften mm. that's such a beautiful skill that i definitely need to take with me through my life. That's, that's lovely. And I really appreciate you just sharing those practices that are in your book. So your book, Sleep Recovery, is just out and it goes through these practices. Um, and and what else are people going to get from this? Because I know that you've spent a while writing I know. it. I think, so I think you were around in, in the very beginning of, of thinking about this stuff. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. And, and it's quite academic. You know, it's not just... It's not just airy fairy, you know, spritz yourself some lavender. I have, nothing, I have nothing against lavender. I just want to say for the record, I love nothing lavender, against lavender. But it's not going to crack the problem on its own. The first book that I have, which is the white book, it's called Yoga Therapy for Insomnia and Sleep Recovery. That was written for yoga yeah. teachers, yeah, psychotherapists. Great. It was written for people who want the technical stuff and that are mm -hmm. like into yoga that have kind of always and that's seriously in depth if you are a yoga teacher i really really recommend that and we'll we'll put these in the show okay, notes yeah. so you can you know, have and a, I give, I give a huge yeah. shout out i used to work with the minded institute i give a huge shout out to the collaboration that i did with them because um there there's a lot of stuff that i um learned and firmed up in that collaboration um so a big mm -hmm. shout out to them and to Heather Mason there. Um, and, you know, and I've just done a lot of research that went into that book. Now, the, the one that I published with Bloomsbury, which is, I think it's very cool because I'm a big mm. fan of the Harry Potter books and it's the same publisher that published yeah. all the Harry it, Potter books. It just was... And it looks a bit Harry Isn't Potter, it? to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a really cool, magical Thank cover you. full of stars. Beautiful, well, beautiful I wanted book. it to be something that felt like you, you'd want to pick it up. And then it would be beautiful and it yeah. would feel calming to you. And it's got the night mm. sky and gold stars and it says sleep recovery and gold. And gold is important because mm. it's a, it's the result of alchemy. Right. Mm. And that's the, you know, that's a, a metaphor for what we do when we engage in a transformative process that, is that we alchemize. We take all of the base elements and we turn them into gold so we can take our sleeplessness as a call to awaken. 
right? So that's, it's mm-hmm. sort of encoded even on the cover. Um, and and what we that. find in the book is things like, you know, the caffeine half-life, like how long your cup of coffee lasts. And you find a simple sleep mm-hmm. sequence, which is, it's there on one page, these really like very mm-hmm. kind of basic yoga poses that you can do that you can remember. Um, a little bit of information about how the sleep cycle works so that you know why you're doing what you're doing in the sleep recovery program. Mm-hmm. And then the, it's kind of these five steps are, are about repairing your body, replenishing your energy, reclaiming your mind, restoring a sense of calm and releasing fear to reawaken happy. Right. So it's this holistic Wonderful. approach. And if you read through it, I tell you stories about how this stuff has worked for me. And I give examples of people that I've worked with and you can find out if you're a monkey or a tiger or a bear. <laughs> Yay, that's fun. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> likes the quiz. You know, we used to do like the Cosmo quiz when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it's got a quiz in mm-hmm. it and it has a, a sleep tracker in it for you to jot down what you observe about your sleep so that you can come to know yourself better. Mm. That's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. And journaling is such a strong part of sort of self-awareness, self-knowledge. We've done it in a few of our courses and challenges. And I know that people really get so much out of it. And it makes sense to do that with respect to sleep as well. It takes it out of guesswork and speculation and makes it much more concrete. And what I've put in are, you know, on the days when I've done my afternoon rest and when I've you know, had this caffeine intake or when I've had this amount of exercise, what is my sleep like? So that you can start to see the patterns for yourself. And that's so, that's so and it's getting curious. And it's, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fabulous. And it's really nice if people get a bit curious and can kind of experiment with their bodies and what works and what doesn't and write it down. That's, that's really useful. And to get sort of a book full of hints and tips as well as the online course. Well, what, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> well, it's really a good place to start. And it's a lot more than I had when I was yeah. overcoming my insomnia. And it's, you know, and it's, and it's a little bit more systematic than just like one video with some yoga poses. It's actually like, mm-hmm. a little, you know, more mm-hmm. of a comprehensive approach. So, you know, for the people who've been really struggling, it's not just do this mm-hmm. one thing. It's not promising a quick fix, mm-hmm. but it's also giving a lot more solace that that you know something that became a problem over time if you give it some attention can absolutely fundamentally change which i think gives people hope and some containment and holding and some support and that's really what i think we do together yeah so i'm really glad that you asked me to do the videos because i think it brings the i think it brings the stuff in the book really to life and i think it'll be very supportive for people to see to see how we do the breathing and how we do the stretches and yeah so i'm really yeah, to work through it together, yeah. to work through it together, I think would be really, really important. And it'd be great to hear people, you know, see how they get oh, on I with it. I can't wait. See, I always, I always you know. love hearing people's feedback, even when things don't work. I learn mm-hmm. from that tremendously. Yeah. When something doesn't work for someone, I either adapt it or give them something else. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear all the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. It's been, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, it's been so, so lovely to chat and I've learned so much. So thank you very, very much for your time, Lisa. And your book, it's out now, yeah, right? Yeah. So people can, brilliant. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I think we're going to do a, a competition for, for someone listening to the podcast to be able to win a signed copy of the book, something like that. Yeah, that's right. There's, yeah, we're going to do a competition on social media. So you, if you're following Movement for Modern Life on all the socials, and we'll link to it on your channel. So where, how can they follow you on social media? What are your handles? Um, do you remember? At Sleep 
underscore recovery at sleep underscore recovery. That's the sleep recovery one. And then at Lisa Yoga London on Instagram. Lisa Yoga London. Brilliant. So people can follow you there. um, Sleep recovery. www.sleep hyphen recovery is the website. And then Lisa Yoga London is my not just sleep, but other stuff website. (laughs) All the other yogas. Well, Lisa, (laughs) thank you so much. I really am indebted to you for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it and I feel like I need a nap now. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody loves to share pose. It's time to rest. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Take care. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Lisa. I must say, I learned so much from it. It's just so wonderful to talk to her about these mama points, how Ayurveda fits in, and how each of us can learn how to sleep better and the importance of really good sleep as well. So absolutely fascinating stuff. Do catch up with her sleep practices on Movement for Modern Life. You can go to Movement for Modern Life and you can scroll down to find Lisa as one of our teachers and her practices are all on there and her book Sleep Recovery it's all in the show notes so I really really hope it was helpful as ever I'd love it if you'd be able to write us a review write on iTunes give us a five-star review so that other people can find us and also if you go to Movement for Modern Life forward slash podcast I'd love to hear your thoughts in our podcast blog there That would be great. All right, until next time, 